who have done this past Wednesday night uh, will be done next Wednesday night. So you won't do three tests today. You're just going to get to two. You're going to have one at the end of my class, and then pastor's test will be later this morning. I don't know if they'll do it at the beginning or the ending, but at any rate, uh, I've got it right here if you want to go ahead and get a head start. And the first question is uh, either true or false. <laughs> so you got the answer. You know, which, you know the answer to the first question. But not my class this time, we're going we're gonna to talk about dominion. You've already got the outline. So you, you, know, you see that already. So uh, turn to Genesis chapter 1. Uh, yeah, Genesis chapter 1. Okay, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. All right, now turn to the book of Malachi, chapter 3. Malachi, chapter 3, and verse number 7. Even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return, return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But you said, Wherein shall we return? And then God speaking, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, Wherein have we robbed thee? And God replies, In tithe and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring you all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive. How many of you have ever received more than you could receive? I don't believe you have. You've, you've received a blessing more. Well, I, I, I would like to talk with you later because I have never seen anybody that received more than they could contain, including myself. Because, I, you know, I, I, there's always seemed to be room or, or something to do with, with more and more and more. Uh, as a matter of fact, if, we, the, if it was just filled up to the top and running over, we could just put it into the kingdom of God. There's always somewhere to use the money or the blessing that God gives us. He said, I'll pour you out a blessing uh, that shall not be room enough to receive. And, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts, and all nations shall call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Now go back to Genesis chapter 1. And verse number 31 says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. 
How many of you know God's a good God? He does good things. Amen? Even the verse in Malachi was, was meant for our good. Uh, and uh, if you uh, haven't figured it out, the two scriptures that I read to you, we're going to talk about dominion, but it's going to be uh, connected to your tithing and, and giving. Your, your dominion is always uh, in proportion or is always connected to or always relates to your tithing. You can win or lose your dominion by tithing or not tithing. And we're going to talk about that in time. Everything that God made, it said in verse 31, when he looked at it, he said it was good. God's creation was very good. God didn't make anything bad. He didn't do anything bad. God's not a bad God. God is a good God. And he loved everything that he had created, everything that God had, had placed on the earth. He, he thought it was great, and it was great, and it still is great. Satan has just perverted the things of God. Satan has come on the scene. He, he got control of the dominion, or he got control of the stewardship of the earth, and he perverted all that God created good, and Satan uh, has, has turned it uh, evil or, or turned it bad. There is no doubt however, that God was very much, or he very much loved uh, his creation man. Uh, the, the man that he created uh, was made in the image and, and likeness of God. He was made in God's own image, in God's own likeness. And God gave to that man authority. He gave him dominion. He gave him responsibility. Responsibility over all that, that he had created and over everything that there was uh, that God had made. Um, now he did that because he loved him. Now we can we can see down here as you as you read on through chapter two, you can you can look at that, and we'll go back and look at some of those as as we go go along. God gave authority and responsibility to the man, and man was meant to be God's under ruler. Now he gave him he didn't give him the creation; he gave him stewardship. He gave him dominion. He gave him authority over it. God still possesses all of heaven and all of earth. Uh, Psalms chapter 24, verse number 1. Anybody can quote that? I tell you, why don't you turn and look at it? It says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And something about all they that dwell therein. So everything still belongs to God. Even though man has uh, turned the stewardship of it over to, the, over to Satan, God still owns the earth. It doesn't belong to the devil. And we, we can get that dominion back. I'm going to show you today how that loss, that dominion that was lost, can be regained. Uh, by an act of open and willful sin, man lost his dominion, and another is now ruling in man's place. Nobody twisted Adam's arm. Well, you know, uh, he openly and willfully entered into the sin. Somebody said, well, there used to be a comedian on television said, well, the devil made me do it. No, the devil just presents the opportunity. It's, it's through the uh, lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life. It's through those things that man enters in. There's a scripture in the New Testament that says uh, every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his what? own lust, not someone else's lust, but his own lust. And when lust is conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And when sin is finished, 
Bringeth forth death. That is correct. That, that's Satan's ultimate goal is to destroy, destroy man. Well, let's talk about dominion, this dominion given where we see here in Genesis chapter 1. God created man in his own image, in his own likeness. That means uh, uh, God is a love God, so we ought, to be a love, we ought to be in love. We ought to walk in love. Matter of fact, our faith worketh by love, doesn't it? Uh, God was a, is a righteous God, so we ought to be righteous people. And in the New Testament, it says God provided a way whereby, uh, it, it's in Second uh, uh, Corinthians 5, uh, 21, he that knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God through him. So you see, we can return to that original uh, righteous state. We can return to God. God is a faith God. As a matter of fact, it tells us in uh, uh, Mark eleven twenty two to have the God kind of faith. We should develop the God kind of faith. And, and of course, God is a creator God, isn't he? When he speaks, things come into existence. The words of his mouth causes things to happen. And guess what? The words of your mouth cause things to happen as well, be they good or, or be they bad. The things that come out of your mouth are the things that shape, the things that create your uh, uh, geographical boundaries or whatever, you know, in, in life. Uh, who wrote the book, Hung by the Tongue? Anybody remember who wrote that? That's a good book. If you had not read it, you ought to read it. You ought to get it and read it sometime because the tongue, uh, according to James, uh, really shapes and really uh, determines a lot of things in, in our life. But in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it said, God said, let us, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So man was made after the image and likeness of God. Now, a lot of people are, are uh, a little hesitant to talk in terms of man being a God-like creature or, or created, you know, in, in God's class. But we were created in God's own class. But a lot of people are a little hesitant to say that. As a matter of fact, the interpreters of the Bible were, were a little afraid to do that. Go to Psalms uh, chapter uh, number 8 and verse number 5. Now, the statement that I've made there says man was created, or man is created a little lower than God. But let's look at Psalms 8 and verse number 5. Look what it says there. It says, for thou hast made him, made, and he's talking about man, because if you go back to verse number 4, uh, it, it, and it'll preface this verse here with what is man. He says, for thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. Do you see that? And hast crowned him with glory and honor. Now, in the, in the uh, entirety of Scripture, this is the only place that the word angel came from the original Hebrew word Elohim. The word Elohim, the same word that was used in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1 when it says, in the beginning Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Then here it says, for thou hast made man a little lower than Elohim. But the translators, uh, out of reverence I guess to God or, or fear of of taking too much upon themselves, stuck in the word angels. It couldn't mean angels. It couldn't mean that man was created a little lower than the angels. So I, I go to Hebrews chapter uh, 1. Go to Hebrews chapter 1. I'll show you why. It couldn't possibly mean that man was created lower than the angels. The, the, the translators had to make a mistake here. Because if you go to Hebrews chapter 1, and uh, 
Verse number, start with verse number 13. Let's just read the last two verses. But to which of the angels, so you see God's talking about angels now, to which of the angels said he at any time, set thou on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool? He didn't say that to any of the angels. Who did he say that to? To Jesus. Jesus is the one that's sitting at the right hand of the Father, but guess what? Ephesians 2 says that he raised us up together and set us together in heavenly places in him, in Christ Jesus, at God's own right hand. And then verse number 14, still talking about the angels, are they, are the angels not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? Now, who is going to be the heirs of salvation? Didn't the sound change right then or something? No, we're, we're still on. Nothing happened up here. Okay. So who is the heir of salvation? We are. We are the heirs of salvation. So the angels are sent forth to be ministering spirits for us. So if, if we are going to direct the angels, then what? They must be down here and we're up here. Isn't that always true? When someone takes direction from another person, the authority is in the one who is giving the instruction, not in the one who is receiving the instruction. So, so the scripture in, uh, in uh, Psalms 8, verse uh, number 5, had to be a misinterpretation of the word Elohim. Now, if Elohim was going to be uh, translated God in Genesis 1 and in numbers and numbers and numbers and numbers of other places in the Bible, then it would have to be God here as well. And incidentally, uh, so, so that no one takes upon themselves more authority than they should, the word Elohim is a plural form of deity, which includes the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Okay? So, so he's talking about the Trinity here. He's talking about the Godhead here. And man was created a little lower than God. So we were created in God's class, not in the angelic class. So don't, uh, don't misquote that scripture or don't misinterpret that scripture in Psalms chapter 8. Now, according to verse number 26, man was given dominion over all that, that God had, had created. Look at verse number 26. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. Let them have dominion. Dominion means to prevail against, to reign, to rule over, to take possession of. So we are to take possession of of all that God has created. It belongs to God, but God has placed it here for man to, to prevail against. Now, your, your circumstance doesn't prevail against you. Your environment doesn't prevail against you. You should be prevailing against your environment and against your circumstances, ruling over it. Now, this was not given. Some people say, well, well he's talking about Adam. He's talking about his first creation. But no, it was given to all mankind, not just to Adam. Look at Genesis. Stay right in that same verse, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. It says, let who? Let him have dominion? No, it says, let them have dominion. Let us make man. Are you a man? That includes women. Are you mankind? Are you the, 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 the mankind? Are you the species of man? then let them, let the species of man have dominion over all of the earth, over everything that God had created. 
created in God's image, as verse number 26 says, so we could exercise the same kind of dominion that God exercised. So go back and think what God had done. God had created. We ought to be able to create. We should create our own environment. We shouldn't let our environment create or dictate to us. We should walk in the dominion because he made us according to verse 28. Look at verse 28, what it says down there. To subdue the earth, to have dominion. Look at it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. I don't know whether this is accurate or not because it, it doesn't say that in the Bible. I can't put scripture on it. But uh, reading behind one author, he said when we have dominion, when man was created to have dominion over the fish, over the fowl of the air, over everything that moved and created, it meant that whatever that thing could do, man could do it. He had dominion over it. One, one writer said man could fly. Man could swim in the ocean like a fish. I don't know whether that's true or not. But, but he said if you, have, if you have dominion over something, that means you can do it better than that thing can do it. Or you have control over, you know, how, how it is done. So, so what he, he said that meant that if a bird could fly, man could fly. Well, I know when we get to heaven, we'll be a different class being. And, you know, we'll just think, well, hey, I need to be in Africa. We're over there, you know, just like that. Or I need to be, uh, you know, in, in China. Bam, we're, we're there in China or wherever we need to be. If there is an Africa and China when we get to heaven, uh, you know. But, uh, but anyway, uh, moving right along. He said we were to subdue the earth. Now let's look at that word subdue for just a second. It means to conquer. It means to bring into subjection. So we ought to conquer our environment, and we ought to bring into subjection our environment. Now look at this. Back up at verse number 26. When God told Adam to have dominion over the fish of the sea, he was created to have dominion over everything on the earth. And one thing I want you to kind of uh, get here for sure, uh, the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, the cattle over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So now what does that mean? What did that exclude? Didn't exclude anything, did it? So we should have dominion over every creeping thing on the earth. And I think that includes the devil because he's the biggest creep that there is, isn't he? There's not a bigger creep than the devil, and, he, and, and we, we have dominion over him. So dominion was given to man. However, that dominion was lost. Dominion was lost. Adam gave his dominion over to Satan when he broke God's commandment. Let's go to uh, Genesis chapter 2. Go back to Genesis chapter 2. I want you to see that. Something interesting here as well. What was the dominion that God gave to Adam? Or, or, or what was the commandment that God gave Adam? When Adam broke the commandment, he lost the dominion. But what was the commandment? Look at uh, chapter 2, verse number 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. So God gave uh, man everything on the earth. He said, everything belongs to you except this one tree. God reserved that for himself. And he said, Adam, don't touch the tree. Don't mess with the tree. Leave it alone. It doesn't belong to you. Don't approach it. Don't eat of it. Don't even touch it. 
don't put your hand on the tree. It does not belong to you. So there's a message in that that we're going to pick up on as we go through this series when we, when we get to next week. Uh, we're going to actually see some things about that tree. Now, when Adam sinned, of course, he committed, we learned this time back, he committed high treason. Y'all remember that one? He committed high treason. He handed over his God-given authority or his stewardship to someone else. Now, he didn't give the earth away because, remember, it didn't belong to him. The earth still belonged to God. But God had given Adam stewardship over it or authority and dominion over it. But when he sinned, he handed that stewardship, he handed that authority, he handed that dominion off to someone else. Now, now, and it wasn't just the authority in that garden because this is something we learned before. Adam had universal authority. He had, he had authority over all the earth. Genesis 1.28 said, And the Lord blessed him, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Not just in the garden, but over all the earth. So Adam's authority was somewhat universal. Go back to Psalms chapter 8. You'll see there that it was universal. And where... Uh, all things ought to be. Verse number six, a follow-up to verse five. For thou madest him, made man, to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put, how many? All things under his feet. So it's universal. It's not just uh, here, a little here, a little there, but it's over all of the earth. It's universal authority. And when Adam sinned, he delivered his dominion to God's enemy, the devil. Go to uh, Genesis chapter 3. And let's look at the first seven verses of that. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, now we know that the Satan, the devil, has possessed the serpent, and he's talking through the serpent because uh, serpents don't normally talk. He was possessed of the devil. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. He's beginning to question, you see, the authority of God. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. So not only is the serpent, now I want you to get this, not only is the serpent questioning the authority or the word of God, but he is also getting into the family and usurping or causing or calling into question the authority of the husband, of the man. Because look, God did not tell the woman. God did not say to the woman, don't eat of that tree. The, the, the Eve is simply repeating what she heard Adam say. God didn't say this to the woman. And, and, uh, and I can prove that to you. Go back to... Uh, to uh, verse number 16. Let's just start reading there for just a second. And the Lord God commanded man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that you eat it thou shalt surely die. Now that's what he said to man. What does the next verse say? And the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make for him a helpmate. So the woman had not yet been created when God gave the commandment to man. 
Adam was in the garden all by himself. And God said, everything here, Adam, everything here belongs to you. You can eat, partake, touch, uh, play with, uh, do whatever you want to with anything in this garden except that one tree. Don't touch it. Don't go near it. Don't eat of it. And then after that, God created the woman. If you go on to read some of the rest of that, you'll find how, how that occurred. But nonetheless, the contention I'm making is that the woman never heard God say it. Unless at some time in private, God repeated it and we don't have it in the scripture. But the first mention of it was given to the man. And then when the woman came along, then the man gave her instruction as to what the commandment of God was. So here the serpent, the Satan through the serpent is calling into question the authority of God as well as the authority of the man or the husband within, within the family structure. And it's still working that way in a lot of places, a lot of places and a lot of times occurrences today. But anyway, <clears throat> and then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. You won't die. It's not poison. That tree is not poison. Go ahead and eat of it. You won't die. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, when your eyes shall be opened, you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. The devil presented a half-truth. He presented just enough of the truth to make it sound good. And the devil does that today. The devil can quote scripture. The devil can quote God's word. And he quotes just enough of it to entice a person or to get a person moving in, into sin or in, into his direction. Now, he said, surely God didn't mean that you were going to die when you ate of that tree. But, you know, that, that is true. They weren't going to physically die the moment they ate of that tree. Because if you go back up here to verse 17, it says, For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. The actual rendering of that word is dying, thou shalt die. So God is saying in the day you eat of it, you're going to die spiritually. You're going to be spiritually disconnected from me. The curse is going to enter the earth. And part of that curse is physical death. So the day that you eat of it, this body that I gave you to last forever and ever and ever is going to be, your spirit man is going to be separated from me and the body is going to begin to deteriorate because it's now under the curse of the law. And in dying spiritually, you are going to one day die physically. So the devil picked up on that and said, go ahead and eat it because you're not going to die. The day that you eat this fruit, you're not going to die. It was a half-truth. For God knoweth that in the day <clears throat> you eat thereof, you shall, your eyes shall be opened, and more they were, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, pleasant to the eye, a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave it to her husband with her, and he did eat also. And when he ate, the next verse says, the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. They entered into self-righteousness to try to make themselves presentable before God. Now, why was it that the, their eyes weren't opened until the man ate? Because God had given the instructions to the man he had told the man, the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. Now, when, when man had discovered that Eve had transgressed, uh, he could have called that, uh, 
he could have called her on the carpet, so to speak, before God for repentance. And I think the thing could have been straightened out because God had given the instruction to the man and told him not to eat. So we, we put a, we put a, a blame on, on Eve all this time for what she did, but the blame really lay on what Adam did. Not on what, what Eve did, but on what Adam did. Adam was seduced uh, by, by Eve. Uh, she was simply deceived by, by the devil. So, I want you to compare something here. I want us to compare Genesis chapter 1 with uh, 1 John chapter 2. Turn over to 1 John chapter 2. Some of you may have heard this before, but, but it'll do you good to hear it again. 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 16. It says, for all that is in the world today. Now, what does that mean? For all that is in the world today. That, mean, that means what I'm getting ready to tell you, there's nothing else in the world except this. This is all there is in the world. The lust of the flesh, the pride of the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. And it, guess what? It's not of the Father, but it is of the world. So if it's of the world, it's of the devil. All there is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Now, now remember that. Only three things there are in the earth. And go back to Genesis chapter 3. When the woman, in verse number 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that equates to or that relates to the lust of the flesh. It was good to eat, so the flesh wanted it. It was the lust of the flesh. When she saw it was pleasant to the eye, that equate, uh, that's on the same level or that equals to the lust of the eyes. It was good looking. It, it, it was pleasant, so it was the lust of the eye. A tree to be desired to make one wise, here we, we're bearing down on the pride of life. So the same thing that the devil tried or that the devil was successful for with Eve, he says, hey, it worked on her. Let me just try it on everyone else. And he's still doing the same thing today. The same things that he used then, he's using now. And guess what? People never learn. This was a lesson that, that, that people haven't learned. They always come along and say, well, you know, the devil is trying something new on me. No, it's not new. It's not new. It's the same thing that he's been doing all along. Go look at Ecclesiastes chapter 1. I want to show you something. Go look at Ecclesiastes chapter 1. <clears throat> and uh, verse number 9 says, The thing that hath been is that which shall be. And that which is done is the thing which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. The thing that has been is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. The devil doesn't have any new tricks. He's still trying the same thing today that he tried then. Now, now one of the, the probably one of the greatest uh, one that he uses is uh, through the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye, more so than the pride of life, because he wants it to look good, he wants it to feel good. If it looks good and feels good, men usually want it, and it doesn't matter who. There was a man in the Bible said he was after God's own heart. He was after God's own heart. But one night when he didn't have anything to do and there wasn't no, nothing on television to watch, 
He'd gone all up and down the channels and there was nothing to entertain him. He walked out on the housetop just to look around the city and he looked down and saw a beautiful woman taking a bath on the other side. And she was so pretty, she looked so good to him that it didn't matter that he was after God's own heart. For a moment in time, something entered into him through the lust of the eye and got a hold of the flesh and the flesh started lusting. And first thing you know, he had, he had performed a great sin. He had sinned a great sin. And it works that way all down the line. It's all, it works that way all the time. The Bible says in one, one place, the, uh, how does it say this? The, the eye of man is something about the eye of man never being full and never satisfied. You know, man, man is never, ever satisfied, is he? He's always looking for some new thing, but there's nothing new. It's all already been done. The devil's already tried it. He's already done it. So we ought to be able to look at history and learn something. But what did pastor say? One thing he had learned, and that is that people never learn. People never, never learn. Now, dominion was lost. Satan now has dominion. Adam legally transferred it, and guess what? God did not try to stop it. God didn't try to stop it. Uh, Adam had a right to make that transfer. Luke chapter 4 is a good proof text of that. Let's go look at Luke chapter 4 for just a second. Here's a proof text on that one. Uh, verses 6 and 7. The devil's saying to Jesus, and incidentally, uh, he's uh, operating in the lust of the eye at this particular point. He said to him, all the power I will give thee, because he had taken him up, verse 5, says he carried him up into a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. He said, look at all of this. See all of this? All of this can belong to you. I will give you power over all of this. The devil said, all the power will I give to thee and the glory of them of all these kingdoms, for that is delivered unto me. It belongs to me. This the dominion, the stewardship of it belongs to me, and I will transfer it to you. I will give it to you. It, I can give it to whosoever I will if you'll just fall down and worship me. If you'll just worship me, I'll give it to you. So Adam had legally transferred it to the devil. And this temptation of Christ was a valid temptation because it, the, the, the authority, the uh, dominion really did belong to the devil at this point. Satan announced to Jesus that he is in charge of all of God's creation. Adam gave it up to him by yielding to him in disobedience to God. Uh, as Romans 5, 17 said, For by one man's offense death reigned by one. So by the offense of Adam, it, was, it, it came to all men. Satan, because of his own separation from God, hated God so much, he's now seeking to separate man from Father God. But love won. Love will win every time. Doesn't the Bible say somebody love covereth a multitude of sins? Well, when somebody's doing something bad and ugly to you, just love them. Just love on them. You know, if they're talking bad about you, send them some money. Love them. Show, show them you love them. And love will win every time. Satan failed to consider what the love of God would do. It was willing, the love of God was willing to go through any physical or any spiritual suffering for man in order to get man back. And the love of God won. The love of God defeated Satan. 
Satan was trying to destroy, trying to, 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 to separate God from, uh, from man, but God had a better plan. God's plan is always the best plan. The only way, God looked for a way to get man back into his nature, back into his fellowship. The only way back to the nature of God is revealed to us in a lot of scriptures, and I've given you two of them. John 3, 16, everybody knows, for God's love of the world, I gave his only begotten son, whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So believing on the son of God will get you back into that eternal state, back in with God. John chapter one and verse 12 says, as many as believed on him, to them gave he power to become the children of God. So believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, man can get back into fellowship with God. This is the only way back to the tree of life. Now, the tree of life in the midst of the garden, uh, uh, let's see, uh, I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But this was the only way that man could get back to the tree of life was back through the Lord Jesus Christ. John eleven twenty five, 25, Lazarus was dead, physically dead. And Jesus told the family of Lazarus in John eleven twenty five, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he that liveth and believeth in me shall do what? Shall never die. Shall never die. You know, man was meant never to die. When God created man, we weren't created to die. We were created never to die. Go back to Genesis uh, chapter where? Uh, uh, chapter 3. Verse number 22. Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. Well, see, he already knew good. But when he partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then he, his eyes were open and he began to see evil. He saw in the beginning all of the good things of God, every good thing that God had created, he was able to see and partake of it. But now that his eyes were open, he was able to see the evil side of things. He said, it become as us to know good and evil. And now lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the garden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So he drove the man out and placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So man couldn't get back to the tree of life. Now, you know, that puzzled me. When we go back over here to Genesis chapter 2, it says every tree, every fruit-bearing tree, every herb-bearing tree, everything was in the garden. In verse number uh, nine, it says, And out of the ground the Lord God made to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree, look, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden. So the tree of life was pleasant to the sight, and it was good for food. And it says, And the tree of knowledge of good and evil, it was also there. But when God singled the tree out, the only one that man was told not to eat of was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He had access to the tree of life. So it was a matter of choice. If the proper choice, the right choice had been made, if Adam had stayed away from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and had partook of the tree of life, guess what? He would be alive today. He made a bad choice. He made the wrong choice. So man was, was created to live forever. God had made him, uh, uh, God had to make 
his nature known to man so man could find his way back to the tree of life. And uh, John chapter 1, verse number 14 says, And Jesus, the Word, became flesh and dwelt among us, that we might behold the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's why Jesus came, so that he could show us the Father, so that he could show us the way back to the Father. Galatians 4, 4 says, When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman. For what reason? that he might redeem, that he might purchase back, that he might get back those that had transgressed, those that were under the law, those that had broken the law. That's why he sent Jesus here. Now, in Jesus Christ, of course, we have redemptions. Colossians 1 and number uh, 13 and 14 says that, that God hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. So he's made a way for us to get back to that place where we should be or where we rightfully rightful belongs to us. Now, we are redeemed, of course, from, and I, I won't go through all these scriptures, but we're redeemed from spiritual death. If you look at those three that are listed there, you'll see how in every case that uh, redemption covers uh, spiritual death. We're, redeemed from, we're also redeemed from sickness and disease or disease. You see, no longer you're at ease. If you're in sin, you're not at ease. You're at disease. So, so from sickness and disease, we have been redeemed. First Peter two twenty four, uh, Matthew eight sixteen, and also Isaiah fifty three four. He's borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, took our sicknesses, took our pains. We are redeemed from poverty. Second uh, Corinthians uh, eight and nine, and also we are redeemed from every aspect of the curse. Galatians three thirteen. So now dominion has been regained. It's been, it's been made available now for all men. And we could go to that first uh, chapter of Ephesians, and I was intending to do that, but time's not going to allow it, and talk a lot about uh, the things that, that Jesus did for us. But, but you see, Satan has blinded the eyes of the people, but in uh, Ephesians 1, 15 through 23, Paul says that, that we should pray that our eyes would be open that we might see our inheritance, we might know what rightfully belongs to us, and we might be able to exercise or operate in that same power that God exercised and operated in when he raised Jesus from the dead and gave him power and dominion over all things, over every name that is named. So we could sit here and we could start naming off names that, that seem to have dominion in the earth. Because look, when somebody says cancer, well, right immediately people just draw back and think, well, this is a death sentence. But it's not. Because Jesus had, was elevated above that. As a matter of fact, it goes on to say later that it was placed where? Under his feet. And I've already read to you in, in uh, Psalms 8 verse 6 where all things were put under whose feet? Under whose feet? Under man's feet. Under, under our feet. So you see, we're operating in the same class that, that God operates in. All things are under Jesus' feet. Why then? Are so many still being robbed of their inheritance by the devil? Why, if, if, if it's available, if it's here, if it belongs to us, why are people still being robbed? We see, like Adam, when he broke God's commandment and partook of the tree, they too have broken God's commandment and taken what belongs to God. Malachi 3, 9 and 10. Where have you robbed me, God said. You robbed me in tithe and offering. Now, that's what that tree was back in the garden that belonged to God. That was God's tree. It, it, you know, it, and when they went to that tree, they were taking what belonged to God. When the man 
uses the tithe of God for his own benefit, he's taking what belongs to God. He's robbing God. Now, your dominion is gained or your dominion is lost based on faith in what Jesus did, but also based on your tithing and your giving. Because just like Adam, if you take what belongs to God, you can't operate in dominion. You are transferring your dominion over to the enemy when you take what belongs to God and use it for yourself. Suppose, suppose you make, I, I think I said this the other night in church, but suppose you make $400 a, a, a week. The tithe on that $400 is how much? Somebody know? $40. So you see, if you'll, if you'll just go ahead and, and leave God's 40 alone and go ahead and give it to God, you've got $360 to do whatever you want to with. But if you pay your house payment and your light bills and your car payments and go out to eat and do all your other stuff and then you look at your checkbook and there's only $50 in the checkbook and you say, well, 40 of this I, I need to give to the church. That's only going to leave me $10 to do what I want to do from now until next week. And you begin to complain to God, you see. And, and most people won't give God that whole 40 They'll give him 10 or 15 of it and say, well, God, I'll, I'll get the rest of it to you next week. I'll get the rest of it to you next month or whenever I can, you know. But, but God doesn't operate that way. So, so you see, if you'd have went ahead and took that 40 up front and give it to God, guess what? You'd had $360 to do whatever you wanted to do with. Wouldn't that be better? So go ahead and take care of God first. Yeah. Let him be the. We're going to talk about this next week when we talk about tithing. We're going to see how that the the uh, tithing is the first part and not the last part. Okay. All right. Now we got about twelve minutes for you to complete this test uh, on church government. So, so you guys pass it, hand it out real quickly. <coughs>